The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley here as always with my co-host Boss Dog. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you all for uh, hanging out with us. Um, As we talked with you about the last couple times, uh, go ahead and leave us a rating or review. Subscribe for us. Um, It helps us reach more of you and get to talk dogs with more folks, which is the whole point of doing this. So we, we love hearing what y'all think about everything going on in dog nation and, and kind of sharing this whole ride with you. And it's certainly been a, a wild ride this week. So boss, why don't you bark at the people and give them your thoughts on all the good news. Dogs got a lot of late Christmas gifts this week. Yeah, no kidding. So our original plan was to do um, an early signing day episode, but we're going to kind of do a whole recruiting uh, recap kind of after the February signing day, we might do a little sprinkling here and there of talking about players. You know, Peach Bowl victory, you know, big comeback against uh, a team that was a lot more solid than we thought about. And then the huge news this week of JT Daniels coming back, I think everybody thought. But then, you know, really the, the biggest gift of all, Jordan Davis coming back, which was some people kind of expected. I personally did not. I thought he was going to go pro. Um but this week has, you know, you tweeted out earlier today um, that this has been Kirby's best recruiting week probably of his career with all the com- people coming back. Justin Schaefer coming back. I was really surprised about that. Devontae Wyatt was kind of alluded to that he was going to come back. James Cook coming back, another big surprise. There's rumors floating out there that Zeus is coming back for for another year. Also another big surprise if that happens. I mean, a lot of people coming back this year, which is, you know, huge for next season, you know, not only from a player standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint, which is, I won't say it's been lacking, but it's definitely something that at the beginning of the year, it's always something that has had to develop throughout the season, you know, going into next year, you know, who your core leadership people are right off the bat. We know that on January 8th, 2021, who your core leadership group is right now. You know, it's not something that has to develop. It's something that we know right off the bat, which is huge going into next season um, with the big matchup at Clemson and then Charlotte. 
So I got two main thoughts on this. First, we had talked on, I can't remember if it was our last episode or the episode before that, about the thing that Nick Saban does better than anybody is he recruits his own players, meaning he, I think, does a good job of convincing his top talent to stay for another year. And one of the things we had talked about was, hey, you know, it's a little easier to do that when the guys are cognizant that there's a legitimate chance they'll win the national championship if they come back. And I think you're seeing the benefits of that this year within their program. I mean, you've seen it multiple times, but I think you're seeing it with Devontae Smith winning the Heisman. I think you're seeing it with Najee Harris. I think really propelling himself. I mean, I think folks knew how good of a back he was, but the things he's done this season and the things he's done, especially I would say in the last two to three games, I mean, he's put himself on the map big time, brother. Like he's made himself a lot of money, I think. And so I, I think it's interesting that Kirby has then done the same thing this week with getting that group of five to come back. And it's a big group of five coming back. I mean, we're not talking fringe guys or tangential guys. We're talking guys that are going to be impact players on both sides of the football next year. So that's first thing. Second thing is there have been a lot of parallels drawn between what's going on right now and obviously what happened in 2017 with Nick and Sony and Lorenzo and wasn't Davina yeah. a junior eligible junior that year that was kind of yeah. on the fence as well. So that was kind of the core four on that one. And obviously all four of those guys come back and have monster impacts and Georgia has the magical year that they did in 2017. Now look, it's obviously way, way too early to, know one way or the other if that's what 2021 is going to turn into. But, hey, homie, it's certainly not going to hurt, right? I mean, those are some big dominoes to come back. And like you had alluded to, I think it wasn't a huge surprise that JT came back. And, look, I think that was smart for him to come back. I think he really, if he has a continuation next year of what he started this year – he could really set himself up to make some big-time money, brother. I mean, we're talking top 15 money. He's going to go in with a quarterback class that's a lot less loaded than this year. He's going to have a bigger body of work, and he's going to have tape in the SEC. Um, and he's going to have an opportunity to really have a transformational year if he goes out and performs. But some of the other ones were surprises. I mean, look, man, I, I thought I thought James was going to go, and I think he would have been justified in going. He had a good year. He showed that he has NFL versatility at that running back position, being able to catch the ball in the backfield. And obviously, I mean, obviously he's got NFL speed. Um, you know, it also doesn't hurt that his brother has done really well this year, right? So I don't think that hurts things either. And I think it would have been a prime time for him to jump, but he didn't. And I think he's a big weapon coming back, especially the way Coach Munkin used him, you know, over the last half of the season. So that was big. Um, I mean, dude, the Jordan Davis thing is massive. I think his ability to change the game for them, and he showed it in the Peach Bowl, right? Like, I'm yep. not just talking about the, the block field goal, but just the number of things that he does uh, just really can't be overstated. And I'm, I'm really interested to get your opinion on this because I've thought a lot about this as the week has progressed and more guys have come out. Do you think – 
these decisions would have been differently absent a JT Daniels presence in the program. And more importantly, B JT Daniels performance over the last five games of this. Well, I think they kind of go hand in hand. Um, So let's start with presence. If, if JT Daniels isn't there and you, you know, it's the season plays out the way we think it does with, you know, Stetson and Dwan and, you know, you're coming in with a baby face, uh, Brock Vandegrift, and it's all about potential next year. And, you know, um, you don't really know what you have. I mean, you think you know what you have with Brock, but you don't know. Then I think of the five that have already announced are coming back, you're probably looking at maybe two, maybe none, but with, with JT though, you've got game potential. Like there's there's film out there. There's he's he's performed not just with the dogs, but he's he's in the locker room. He's around the guys. He's already a leader there. So I think that regardless of how he played these last you know five games, like I mean, if he came out and completely was terrible and like was injured then, you know, I don't think his it really matters. But the fact that he's in the locker room, I think is huge. And the fact that the type of person he is and people gravitate towards him. I mean, the fact he played lights out, you know, is huge. It just makes it that – it's icing on the cake almost. But the fact that the type of person he is and, you know, the way he talks to the media and everything like that, he's just – it's the gravitas almost. People want to play with him. People want to play – be in that locker room with him. People want to be in that huddle with him. I think that it has more to do with it than how he played. Like I said, I think that's more like, you know, it's the icing on the cake that that makes it that much more enticing to come back for the shot at the national championship next year. People want to be around and people want to play for him. So I think that 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 had more to do with it than anything else. So this is my line of thinking on it because I texted you today after Justin Schaefer announced he was coming back. And obviously that kind of completes that big group coming back. And there's still some names out there, Jamari Salyer and uh, Zamir White are, are two big ones, right? But even with the talent that's already said they're going to come back, I texted you and I said, it's JT Daniels' effect, right? And, and yeah. my premise behind that is a rising tide or rising tide raises all boats, right? So I think because of what he showed he's able to do at the quarterback position with the talent they have and with the scheme they've got in place, I think all those guys kind of looked at the situation as a whole and said, Hey, man, look at what's going on at Alabama this year with Devontae Smith and with some of their guys. They're coming back with a guy who played the last few games of the season at quarterback, had a monster year this year distributing the football to their edge talent, and they have been the undisputed number one team in the country, and I think everybody's expectation is that they will beat Ohio State and be the national champions again. And that's good for everybody, right? That's good for everybody on that roster who has dreams of playing in the NFL. So I just really think that can't be undersold his effect on that. Because to your point, the alternative is coming back into another situation like there was this year where there's uncertainty at the quarterback position. And look, man, 22 guys play. Well, I guess 24 if you count kicker and punter. But the quarterback's a straw that stirs the drink. There's just no getting around it. I mean, look at the Heisman finals, three of the four quarterbacks, and, and that's every year, homie. So it, it matters that Georgia has a guy in place and there's some continuity in place going into next year. Um, I, 
pivoting off of that, I, something has struck me kind of in evaluating the season's over now. Um, I think we would both say, I don't know if disappointed is the right word. Cause look, I am thrilled that they played 10 games uh, in a, in a year where we didn't know if they would play any. So I think that's awesome. And I think some things happen this year that give dogs fans a ton of hope and a ton of excitement going into the next year. But I think if you had told us that they were going to play a full season, our expectation at a minimum was that they're going to be in Atlanta. And that obviously didn't happen. So I, I think you and I would both probably say this year was a disappointment, um, which is awesome in my opinion, because I think that the expectation is that, you know, the minimum expectation is to be in Atlanta, I think tells you where they are as a program. And that should be our expectation. So I'm, I'm kind of happy about that. I'm not happy about them not being in the dance and everything, but I'm happy about where the expectation is. But my bigger point is now that we've had the season, I've got a twofold question for you because obviously the quarterback position played a large role in how the season turned out and in the two losses. So given that, who do you think regrets their decision more? Jake Fromm or Jamie Newman? Hmm. That's a great question. I'm going to give you an answer now, and I want you to ask me this question again after the draft. Okay. Okay. So my answer right now is Jake Fromm because I think that he fits what the quick passing scheme. I don't think he had the arm strength to do. I mean, obviously he doesn't have the arm strength of Daniels or Newman, but to see what Bennett was able to do with the, um, the system that Munkin had from was more a more accurate passer than Bennett and would have been able to do better with those receivers that were running butt naked all season. And I feel that, he would have made himself a lot more money. I'm not saying he would have been first round, but he definitely would have been in that second, third round tier, um, that second tier of quarterbacks. He wouldn't have been in the elite character uh, category like Lawrence Fields, um, but he definitely would have been in that second tier um, category this year with a full season with Munkin. I, he's never, he was never going to get more athletic. And I think that was kind of, um, I don't know if you remember when we talked about Isaac Nauta when he went out and, one of the big knocks on him was his speed. And it was like the reason he was never going to get faster. So it was like, that's why he went. So Jake was never going to get more athletic. And I think we talked about that when he left, but he was definitely going to be put up better numbers in the Munkin system based off of what we saw because of his accuracy than what he did in the Coley system. So right now I will say that I will say Jake, but just because you don't really know anything about Jamie. I mean, you know, you saw him play at Wake Forest and he played great against cupcakes, but you never like, I mean, I don't think those teams that he beat up on, I I would put them all the talent level on those cupcake ACC defenses below Kentucky defenses. I mean, and I mean, below the Kentucky defense. And I, I just don't see Jamie being, you know, He's athletically gifted. He's got a lot of, you know, measurables. But, I mean, I think he's, you know, he's going to be drafted in the same area that Jake was drafted in, in my opinion. So, here's my answer. Mine's, mine's the opposite. And I'll tell you why. I think for Jake, you know, the hay is in the barn, right? 
like he got he got drafted and he's on his contract and the Bills are in the playoffs, right? So I think looking back, he's he's where he eventually wanted to be. And I think we kind of talked about this when the draft happened. I I don't think right now Jake's an NFL starter. And I, and I don't think even if he'd come back and blown the doors off, I, I don't know if an organization was going to make that leap to make him a first or second round draft pick and, you know, put him at the helm of an organization. I just don't think his NFL measurables are what those GMs want nowadays. So, I, you know, I don't think his professional prospects would change any. Now, if we're talking about Jake from the legacy, I think that's a, I think your, I think your answer is probably right because I think he would have had the opportunity to, really do some stuff, right? Like win another win another SEC East title and play for another SEC title and possibly go to the playoffs, right? And he would have been a four-year starter, and I just think the legacy could have been a different story. Now, you can't – I don't think we can talk about that and not talk about what the shitstorm would have been like around him after his text messages came out. And yeah. I, obviously, we're assuming that they still would have come out if he hadn't gone into the draft. And I, I think they would have. So that would have been its own little thing, right? I mean, that would have been its own drama and controversy. So I think that has to be put into that equation. But the reason I would say that Jamie Newman regrets it more is you just can't tell me a big reason that he decided to opt out was his advisors were telling him there's not going to be a full football season. Like that had to be part of the conversation. And the fact that the way it played out there, not only was a full football season, but it was pretty hiccup free. I mean, Georgia had zero COVID issues that were made public. They were not the cause of any game cancellations and they had guys that played full seasons that upped their stock. And the way the quarterback position played out, remember when we were speculating when it happened, we're like, oh, well, dude, maybe maybe he didn't think he was going to win the job and JT was going to overtake him and, and it would have looked bad draft stock watch. Well, we saw how that, that played it. out. That <laughs> wasn't it. He obviously wasn't healthy, so Jamie was going to be the guy. So I don't know, man. I, I just think after seeing that offense – and knowing what Jamie Newman's skill set was to envision and think about the things he could have done over that 10 game season. I don't know, man, he could have, I think he could have had a pretty gaudy year from a numbers perspective, because just think back on how much stuff Stetson missed. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, he did just fine. Okay. And I'm not, this is, I'm not trying to bag on Stetson at all. I think he was the solution at the time. Right. But he missed a ton of plays that would have just been monster plays. And you can't tell me that Munkin wouldn't have called the offense even more wide open, kind of more similar to what we saw with JT, with JT if Jamie had stayed and played. And so like, I mean, look, we'll never know how yeah. much money he actually caught, how much money he actually cost himself. But man, I just feel like he cost himself some money. Like he, he, talent-wise and measurables-wise with some results against a 10-game SEC schedule, I think really could have catapulted himself into the conversation. I mean, dude, 
and maybe I'm just out of the loop on this because I'm not tuned into BYU football. But like, look at the kid at BYU. Yeah. Like, what is he going to be the third quarterback taken now? Is what everybody's saying? Yeah, hope it be a top fifteen pick. Was he going to be that before the season? Because if he no. was, I didn't know about it. No, everybody. The third quarterback before the season was Trey Lance. Trey Lance, right? Yeah. And now he's falling to fourth. So, so to my point, then let's take Trey Lance as an example. Played one game, so has no opportunity to keep putting himself in front of talent evaluators. And now he's he's dropped position. So, I mean, inherently, it seems the same thing will necessarily have to happen to Jamie Newman. And I just think, too, and I told you this when it happened, and I still feel this way, and I probably feel more strongly about it now that the season was actually played. I'm just telling you, brother, there's going to be some quote-unquote football guys in those front offices that are like, I, 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 don't, I don't want this kid. Like, he didn't Especially want to play this year. a leader of a program. I mean, a leader of a, a team. I mean, yep. quarterback's the leader. You know, yep. and then you you opt out. I mean, were there other quarterbacks that opted out? Man, I that's a good question. I I'm sure there were. I just can't remember any off the top of my head, which tells you the the echelon of talent. I mean, look, he was he was one of the biggest names that opted out and stayed opted out. Because you know, remember when when it happened, a lot of the guys we were talking about with him were opt-outs from the Big Ten. Yeah, the Big and Ten was LSU. like, hey, we're <laughs> – and LSU, yeah. which I think I'm still okay with that. Because, like, I think the, the point for that one was they knew that was going to be a dumpster fire, and that's exactly what it turned out to be. So, and two of the biggest names from the Big Ten ended up coming back. Well, let's not forget. Um, Correct. Rashad Bateman came back and played. You know, I don't know if he played the whole season. And, I think and, that he and Rondell Moore, right? Again. And, and Rondell, Rondell Moore. Moore, but Rondell Moore ended up getting hurt, and Rondell Moore ended up getting hurt, and but still came back and played. So, you know, they opted out. I mean, Micah Parsons ended up not coming back, but and they they're still talking of him being a top ten pick. So, well, he was a different. I mean, we had talked about him when it got announced. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not going to change his. It wasn't going to change his. So, same thing with Jamar Chase. Like Jamar same Chase thing with Jamar talking, Chase. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Man, those guys, I, I didn't, I didn't fault them. And, then and honestly. Honestly, I think Jamar Chase probably – let's do the flip side of this, not to get off completely off on a tangent, but I think Jamar Chase, on the, he's the anti-Jamie Newman. He, but his opt-out was the best decision ever because of look what Justin Jefferson did in the league. Like, just – I think that, I think that it actually benefited Absolutely. him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, I mean, look, that, that's just one of those, like – that's one of those questions I would ask you for drinking beer at the bar. But yeah. and there's no answer. There's no answer. We'll never know. Yeah. But I just think with all the facts that are currently in, I think Jamie's got to regret it more. Because at, at least with Jake, dude, he's, he's, he's in the league. I mean, he, he's signed and, and played on a rookie contract all year, you know? So, yeah, like the way – part, re- part of my reasoning for my answer is, is that I feel like – now, granted, it all comes down to how you perform when you're when you're there. But I feel like a season in Munkin's offense for Jake, getting him up to a second or third round pick, if that's what he would have gotten up to, which I feel like he would have had a better shot. He wouldn't have been a fifth round pick. It would have helped his longevity. I don't know what Jake's longevity is in the league. 
Like yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure he's going to be on a roster next year. Well, he might, so he, he may not be. But I will say this: I think he's got enough intangibles where some organization will keep giving him a shot. Now, dude, he could be Aaron 2.0, right? Like he could bounce yeah. around and be like a fringe roster guy for a few different places and just never make it. I do think they are similar from a pure player they, profile perspective. I think Aaron's more athletic. A lot of similarities, yeah. Like I think Aaron in today's college game oh, def- pro- def- probably would have def- been, def- 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 been a Heisman contender just because I think he would have put up stupid numbers the way that he really played now. He's more as – He's more Aaron's more athletic. Jake has better size. That's really the, the biggest. If Aaron had Jake's size, Jake probably, I mean, Aaron probably, if Aaron had Jake's size, Aaron probably would have been an NFL starter. Yeah. It is, it was a heck of a, heck of a college player, man. Heck of a college player. I mean, Jake was too. I, I don't want to take anything away from that. I, I do think his legacy got tarnished a little bit by a couple things. One, they just, had a disappointing year in the fan base's eyes last year. And he just looked very ordinary. And when that's the last taste people have, I, I just think that's what happens. Right. But dude, I don't and think it can be discounted how good he was the first two years, 17 and 18. Yeah. I mean, yeah. realistically though, I mean, yes, he, his performance gets magnified because he was the, he is the quarterback, but the whole team had a terrible year. I mean, not terrible, had an, off year in 19 and that to me goes back to the leader of the offense which is yeah. James Coley. Agreed. So, Agreed. Yeah, I look agree at all the that. offensive coordinators that are changing positions, you know, this season. Nobody's beat down James Coley's door to be offensive coordinator. Yep. So let me ask you this, given who has said they will be coming back and giving who is returning anyways and also taking into consideration their schedule next year. Is anything less than a playoff appearance next year a disappointment? I think the answer has to be yes. Yeah. I mean, it for really, me it is. After Clemson. It's nothing, dude. It's, it's soft. Yeah. It's soft. Really, I mean, honestly, the only thing that will change my opinion on this is if, is if there's massive injuries or we go through another COVID season and – the schedule just changes and we don't know what the year is going to be like, you know, I mean, that if it's set up the way it is now, if we're going based off of just what it is now, the answer has to be that it'll be a disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree because I'm telling you, first off, I think they should beat Clemson. I think if you're, if you're handicapping that game today, they should be favored in that game to open the season because they're going to have the quarterback with more experience and they're going to have more guys returning at skill positions on offense. So I, I think they'll be favored against Clemson and should win. Like I will be disappointed if they do not beat Clemson in Charlotte on September 4th. And then if they do that, there is zero reason they should lose a game the rest of the regular season because the way their SEC schedule sets up, it is Charmin soft, homie. Like – there is nobody they should be worried about. Florida is going to stink out loud. Uh, Tennessee is an absolute dumpster fire. Um, and everybody else in the East is everybody else in the East. They're going to stink. And what, you telling me that uh, we're, we're supposed to be nervous about Auburn in the cross-divisional? Nope. Sorry. 
Who's playing quarterback Honestly, for Arkansas? Who's playing quarterback for Arkansas when they come to Athens? The guy who took over for Franks, that freshman, um, Robinson Johnson. Not nervous. I, I'm so, not nervous. I would. I, I honestly think the two toughest games in our SEC slate. Well, we don't know what Florida is, and Florida's it's Jacksonville is Jacksonville. So I won't say that Florida's not going to be tough because who knows what Jacksonville will be like because it's just the bane of our existence. So, but I honestly, I look at the schedule. If you're taking it today, and once again, this is January 8th, 2021. So let's take it for what it is. Sure. I mean, look, this is highly speculative. The two toughest games based off of what we saw last year, really, I mean, this is SEC games, not outside of Clemson. The two games, if I'm going to be nervous about a game, would be Arkansas and Missouri. Like, those look because they're and that the thing that makes me nervous is because I think not that they would stop our defense, it's that they I mean stop our offense, it's that they could slow us down enough to make it interesting. Not that I think they'll win, but that they could slow us down enough to make it interesting. Which by the I way, think it could be both of those games, but between the hedges. Yeah, exactly. Not not that I think that they would win. It's just it could be interesting. It could be like Mississippi State, you know, yeah. this year. It could be a little uncomfortable, so to speak. So, and I mean, I've you, I've said this on our, our podcast when we were picking games multiple times this year. I like Drinkowitz. I, I really do, and I'm and I was I love Pittman. So it, part of part of my reasoning for that is because I like the coaches and I like what they're going to do with those programs and what they did this year with you know the disasters they took over. So yeah. Um, that's part of my reasoning for feeling that way. But, I mean, I think that Missouri's got a good shot to actually be the second-best team in the East next year if things progress the way that they did this year. I mean, who thought Missouri was going to be 5-5 five and five this year? I mean, let's be realistic. Yeah. I said before the beginning of the season, I thought Arkansas was going to go 0-10, and they won three games. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of truth in that. I, I'm just – you know, I think the interesting thing about the Clemson game, too, is uh, – Let's say they even if they do lose that game, right? But win out, Clemson's not going to lose in the ACC. The ACC stinks, so they're going to be top three team in the country. Like, I don't know that that schedule is just very favorable for them to make a playoff run, especially if they win against Clemson. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. They're they're going to be loaded, and yeah, I can't so. remember a time going into a year where we're going to be excited about the offense like this. Like I, when was the last time? Oh, wait, like well, really? When was the last time we were ex- this excited about an offense? Yeah, maybe. Oh, wait. I mean, look, I was pretty excited about the offense in 12. I was pretty excited about the offense in 18, but okay. Go back to 12 for a second. Even though you were, we were both excited about the offense in 12. We were still more excited about everything that was coming back on that defense. Yeah, sure. But yeah. this year, this year, we are the, hands down. I guarantee you, we're going to go into next season more excited about the offense than we are about the defense. Yeah. When was I, the last I, time that I, happened? I think <laughs> oh, you're right. I think you're right about that. And I think some of that is necessitated by the fact that the, I mean, the secondary still is kind of an uneasy point, right? Because I, yeah. What makes me a little bit nervous is even with everything that we have coming back on defense, and we got a lot of great stuff coming back on defense, you lose a ton of games started and played in that secondary. And I wouldn't say the secondary 
given their performance in the two biggest games of the year was exactly a strength anyways. Right. So we're going to be real young there. And I I really don't think it's going to matter till later in the season, which I think is a good thing because I mean, I guess Clemson theoretically could fling it around, but they're not built like Alabama or like LSU was last year. So I think it is a little bit different proposition. I think especially with DJ, I think they're they're going to try to run the ball a little bit. I mean, I think they're going to try to use his size, and that's going to be a part of it. And I think that actually is favorable for us because of the way the D-line is constructed. So, um, yeah, I it's going to be interesting. But, yes, I agree with you. I am much more looking forward to the returnees on offense for this upcoming season because essentially – they're returning the entire team. I mean, they lose – when you look at the depth that they have and their positions of strength, they are um, – their losses are minimal. I mean, Trey Hill was a great player. He's replaceable given their depth. Ben Cleveland was a great player. He's replaceable given their depth. So, like, dude, everybody else come back. They are so loaded at the skill positions, it's ridiculous. And that's even if Zeus declares. They're loaded. Loaded. And we haven't even broached if if they get Eric Gilbert. Yeah, that's that's true. So, I mean, they, they could be freakishly good on offense if everyone stays healthy, which is obviously a big if. We're going to have to tape again soon because I just feel like, number one, more stuff's going to continue to happen. Like, more guys are going to – announce and we're going to know what Jamari's going to do. We're going to know what Zeus is going to do. And I just think we're going to have a fuller picture of what everything is going to look like, you know, moving forward. And I don't know, man, I'm excited though. I think this was a monster week for the Georgia program. And if you are a fan of the dogs, you have got to feel like Christmas came again. Right. I mean, yeah, we had we had talked about this briefly, but if I had texted you directly after the Peach Bowl and I said, JT's coming back, Jordan's coming back, James is coming back, uh, Justin Schaefer's coming back and Devontae Wyatt's coming back. And oh, also um, Zeus and Jamari might come back also like you text me. You're like, I told you you were crazy. And you're right. I would have been crazy because that so, didn't that didn't seem like a reality. I mean, that is a loaded cabinet of talent that's coming back with a ton of experience. Stuff like that doesn't happen for Georgia. No. I mean, so <laughs> I'm fired up. It's a phenomenal way to end the week and to start 2021 and to start counting down till September 4th. And homie, I'm already counting it down. I'm here for it. It can't get here soon enough. All right, brother. Well, go dog sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.